Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Good morning, church. So today's reading is from Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. God, thank you for your word. Good morning. Happy Sunday. So good to be with you today. I'd like to invite you to pray with me as we look into God's word together. Let's pray. Almighty God, we are grateful that you are in charge, that you are sovereign, that you rule. We thank you, Lord, that we've come to know you in a personal way and to enjoy your benefits and your blessings. We thank you for your guidance and your help and your strengthening. And Lord, we especially pray for your comfort during stressful times and difficult times and challenging times. May the Holy Spirit be our comforter. And may he lead us into all truth as we look into the word today. Lord, we continue to pray for our homes, our families, our loved ones, our church, our world. And Lord, during these challenging times, as we are squeezed, may people see Christ come out of us. Help us, Lord, we pray. And we ask these things in the beautiful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to start today by asking you a question. Who is your role model? That person that you really want to be like, that you look up to, and you may refer to them as your mentor or your hero, or maybe you'll call them even an idol. As a child, your role model might have been a superhero, or it might have been a famous athlete or a fashion model. Younger children, often their role model is their mommy or their daddy. Who is your role model? And let me ask you, does having that role model lead you toward Christ-likeness or away from Christ-likeness? And what about the children in your life that look to you as a role model? Those who maybe call you daddy or, or mommy or auntie or uncle. Maybe they call you coach or teacher or grandma or grandpa. Those children, what kind of role model are you to them? Are you leading them toward Christ-likeness or away from Christ-likeness? Those are only two directions you can lead them by the way you live. If you look at your outline today, it's available on the PDF icon online if you're watching online, and it's available at the doors if you've walked in here. I have two questions to ask you. In the first one, I want you to ask yourself this question. Here it is. Am I a role model who leads others toward Christ-likeness? Am I a role model, speaking of you, that leads others toward Christ-likeness? If you've been at this church any amount of time or listened online any amount of time, you, you have heard me point out again and again 
a truth from Romans 8, 29, and I'm going to point it out again today, and I'll point it out again many times in the future, because Romans 8, 29 tells us the plan. What plan? The plan. God's plan. The plan of all plans. The plan for your life and for my life and for everyone's life. Romans 8, 29, and I know we're not quite in Romans 8 yet, but we're going to skip ahead. Romans 8, 29, it says, for whom, speaking of God, he foreknew. God foreknows everything, of course. He also predestined, or that can be translated predetermined, according to the Greek word proorizo. He also predetermined, and here it is, here's the plan, to be conformed to the image of his son. That is God's plan from eternity past. And he's always known it. And his desire is for you and me to be conformed to the image of his son. And that is the plan. In other words, to be Christ-like. And that's why we must ask ourselves if we are role models, and we are role models, if we are leading people toward Christ-likeness, because that is the plan. Now, today our study brings us to the fourth chapter of Romans, a chapter that uses the Jewish nation's two greatest role models to teach one of the greatest spiritual truths. Now, most of us who are non-Jews, Goyim, if we were asked, who do you think the Jewish people hold up as one of their greatest role models? We might pick Moses. He was a great role model. He led the nation of Israel out of 400 years of Egyptian slavery and bondage to freedom. He led them across the Sinai Desert for 40 years, and he led them right up to the Promised Land. Moses was a man who God gave his laws to, to govern the nation of Israel. And we call them the Mosaic Law after this humble man. And in those laws, of course, are the famous Ten Commandments. Moses, that Jewish man, would be a great role model. He's the one who called down the ten plagues on the nation of Egypt. And he's the one who raised his staff <laughs> and split the Red Sea by the power of God so an estimated 2 million former Israelite slaves could walk on dry land and escape Pharaoh and his army. But a Jew in Paul's day didn't consider Moses as their primary role model, as great a man as he was. If you asked a Jew in Paul's day who was their greatest role model, they would have, without hesitancy, said Abraham the father of the Jewish people, the very first Jew, the man who was called out of idolatry by God himself and began to worship the one true God. Interestingly, all three of the world's greatest monotheistic religions look to Abraham as their spiritual father. Judaism does, Islam does, and so does Christianity. And so, as the Apostle Paul continues in Romans chapter 4 to teach, to defend, to prove that salvation is not based on your works, but is based solely on faith, he puts forth Abraham, the Jewish superhero, as proof of his claims. 
Now, by Paul's day, which is some 2,000 years after Abraham had lived, Abraham's life story had been greatly rewritten and altered. His character, highly exaggerated. And it was taught and believed by the rabbis of Paul's day that Abraham kept the entire Mosaic law, all 613 commands of them, that he kept them perfectly, even though God didn't give it to the Jewish people until four centuries later. Let me read to you what one Jewish writing says that was written in 200 BC. It says, and I quote, Abraham, our father, had performed the whole law before it was even given, end quote. And it is this gross error that Abraham was saved by his works, that he earned salvation by keeping the law, that the Apostle Paul refutes in Romans chapter 4, and we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Romans 4, picking up in verse 1 down to verse 3. Verse 1, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, our superhero, our role model, number one Jew, according to the flesh, is found? For if Abraham was justified by works, and we saw in a previous sermon the word justified means declared righteous, if he was declared righteous by his works, he has something to boast about. That would be like pretty good. I'm saved because I'm such a good person, but not before God. Wouldn't impress God, might impress others. And then Paul says, for what does the scripture say? And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Have you ever noticed that after a person dies, they are often elevated to some form of almost sainthood at their funeral? Now, I'm not one to suggest that at a funeral you ridicule the dead, but I don't think we should twist the truth for the sake of convenience or comfort and teach a false method of salvation just to make people feel better. Some years ago, I was asked to perform a funeral for an elderly man who had lived a cruel and self-centered life. He was an alcoholic. He was an abusive father and husband, and everyone knew it. That was his reputation. But late in life, if I recall correctly, shortly even before he died, it was, he asked Jesus Christ into his life to save him. Well, when I got up to perform the ceremony, I was not about to compromise the truth for the sake of people feeling good. And so for my opening line, which everyone may have been thinking, but no one would dare say, <laughs> for my opening line... I said these words, George, not his real name, George doesn't deserve to go to heaven. And then I paused, and the audience gasped. Some nodded their heads. <laughs> and then I added, neither do you, and neither do I. Heaven is not deserved. Heaven is not earned. It's a free gift given to you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Now look again at verse 3. That's what the Apostle Paul is teaching through using Abraham, the role model. For what does the Scripture say? The Apostle Paul asks. And quoting from the Jewish Torah, 
which we would call Genesis 15, verse 6, the Apostle Paul proves from the Jewish scriptures themselves that Abraham was not saved by his good works, but by faith, by believing God. And Abraham believed God, he had faith, and it was reckoned, that's an accounting term, it was put to his account as righteousness. He didn't earn it, it was credited to him, it was reckoned to him. Which brings us to our second application point for today. If you're taking notes, number two, ask yourself this question, am I getting my truth from Scripture or culture? Am I getting my truth from Scripture or culture? Culture may or may not reflect truth, but it certainly can never create truth. Culture does not create truth. The source of all truth is God himself because God is truth. That's his character. And God cannot violate his character. If it's true, it came from God. So ask yourself, am I getting my truth from Scripture or culture? And the Apostle Paul leaves his cultural teaching, which was erroneous and misleading and leading people to hell, and gets back to the Scriptures. The reason the world around us is so insane is that people have abandoned truth. Because of what we call postmodern teaching, they teach that there's no such thing anymore as absolute truth. You have your truth, I have my truth, you know. And therefore, absolute truths that are taught in Scripture are ridiculed and they are abandoned and ignored. college student was talking to a famous Christian philosopher, and the student proclaimed, there is no such thing as absolute truth. And this quick-thinking Christian philosopher looked back at him and said, are you absolutely sure? <laughs> you see, it's a self-defeating argument. It's logically absurd to claim there's no absolute truth, because you're saying it absolutely. Well, in Paul's days, the Scriptures were still considered a source of truth to the Jewish people. So Paul could demonstrate, using the Scriptures, that even Abraham, their superhero of the faith, the father of the Jews, was not saved by his good works. He was saved by believing God's promises. Apostle Paul used the Scriptures as his source of truth. Let me ask you, do you? What is your source of truth? Now, Abraham, as I said, was the number one role model for the Jewish people, but a close second would be King David as a role model. David was Israel's most loved king, and he performed a lot of good works. You remember that as a boy, he defeated the Philistine army single-handedly, quite literally, <laughs> with a slingshot by defeating the champion of the Philistines, a giant named Goliath. And David went on to lead the Israelite army to victory after victory after victory. And later, he actually became the king of Israel. He wrote half of the book of Psalms. And that was used as the worship hymnal for the people of Israel. David performed many, many good works. But David had a dark side, just like you and just like me. One evening when he should have been out leading his army, he was safe at home and he's walking on his roof. 
and he's playing peeping Tom, checking out his hot and very naked neighbor, Bathsheba. And David's hormones raced, and his morals evaporated. He ended up committing adultery and then committing murder by proxy, having Bathsheba's husband murdered to cover up David's sins. Now, if salvation is based on works, does writing worship songs and defeating an enemy army outweigh adultery and murder? If salvation was based on works, then Israel's greatest king, King David, would not have earned salvation. And that is the Apostle Paul's point. And then Apostle Paul makes a brilliant play at this point. I don't want you to miss it. He uses King David's very own words in his confessional hymn of Psalm 32 to support what Paul is saying in verse 6. He says, Romans 4, 6, Just as David, your second great role model, also speaks of the blessing upon the man whom God, notice, reckons or credits righteousness apart from works. Salvation is not based on works. And then in verse 7, he quotes from the Psalm, Psalm 32, David's own words, blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Notice that word covered, we'll come back to it. Blessed is a man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. King David, the second greatest Jewish role model, admits he needs forgiveness. He admits that his bad works, if taken into account, would not give him righteousness, so God doesn't even take him into account. Now, I need to point out that it wasn't just Paul's first century readers that were confused about how Old Testament people were saved. Even in the 21st century, people in the church, Christians and others, seem confused about how Old Testament saints were saved. In fact, some people actually think there was a different method of salvation in the Old Testament from the New Testament. Well, let me give you a truth statement, and then we'll illustrate it from the Scripture. Truth statement. Here it is in your notes. Salvation was and is and always will be by faith. Salvation was and is and always will be by faith. You might have heard of Dr. Harry Ironside, well-known pastor and theologian. Well, Dr. Harry Ironside was one of the most prolific Christian writers of the 20th century. He held two honorary doctorates. He had a photographic memory, and yet he only had an eighth-grade education. Dr. Ironside pastored the famous Moody Church in Chicago for 18 years. And my dad told me, that when my dad was a boy, he used to drive by the Moody Church, sitting in the back seat with his family, looking out the window, and he would see the marquee in front of the church with Dr. Harry Ironside's name as pastor. Well, one time while on vacation, Dr. Ironside was visiting a, another church and went to the Sunday school class there. They didn't know who he was, and he's sitting in there. And the teacher asked the class, how were the people of the Old Testament saved? class was quiet for a moment, and then someone raised his hand, and, and the man replied, by keeping the law. And the teacher replied, that's right. 
Well, Dr. Ironside couldn't just sit there and have them teach falsehoods, so he said, excuse me, my Bible says that by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified. The teacher was embarrassed and, and said, well, well, does someone else have an idea? And another student replied, they were saved by offering animal sacrifices. And the teacher said, yes, that's it, that's right. And he tried to go on with the lesson when Dr. Ironside interrupted again. And he said, my Bible says that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sins. By this time, the obviously unprepared teacher was sure the visitor knew more than he did. And he said, well, what's your answer? How were people saved in the Old Testament? And Dr. Ironside explained that they were saved by faith, the same way people are saved today. Salvation was and is and always will be by faith. And that is the wonderfully marvelous truth that the Apostle Paul is driving home in Romans chapters 3 and 4. Now, the Apostle Paul goes on to prove his point in, in chapter 4. We don't have time to look at every verse, but Apostle Paul continues, and he points out that Abraham was saved centuries before the law came. And Abraham was saved before he was even circumcised. He wasn't circumcised until 14 years after he put his faith in God. And Paul gives these arguments in verses 9 all the way to the end of the chapter. Now, of course, it's not good enough just to have faith. Some people say, oh, I have faith. Yeah? Well, it depends on what your faith is in. You have to have your faith in an object that can save you. Your faith has to be in the one who can save you for all eternity. And the Apostle Paul makes this quite clear as he finishes up chapter 4, verses 23 to 25, that the object of your faith is essential. Romans 4, verse 23. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was reckoned to him. See, that's not just for the sake of Abraham. It's for our sake, too, that it was credited to him as righteousness. But for our sake also, because he's our role model, to whom it will be reckoned or credited as those who believe in him. What do you place your faith in? In him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Him who was delivered up because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. You are justified, you are declared righteous because of what Jesus has done, not what you have done. And your faith must be in the one who can actually save you. You see, whether you live in the Old Testament times or you live after Christ died, faith in God and his promises results in salvation, but it's based on the blood of Jesus Christ, not the blood of animals. Let me very quickly, before we close, highlight some important scriptures. You can look them quickly, maybe look at them more in detail on your own. But in the Old Testament, we were told in chapter 4, verse 7 of Romans, King David sung it, that sins were covered. Notice chapter 4, verse 7, and whose sins have been covered. The blood of bulls and goats kind of covered over your sins. They didn't remove them. You were saved, someone say, sort of like on credit. Your sins won't be forgiven until Christ died. Because only Christ's blood can remove sins. So they were covered. Notice what it said in chapter 3 of Romans, verse 25. 3, 25. 
It says at the end, it says, whom God displayed publicly, that's Christ, as a propitiation, we saw that word means satisfaction, um, by his blood through faith, that was to demonstrate his righteousness. And notice this last part, because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. He passed over those sins. They weren't removed yet in the Old Testament. And notice Acts 17, verse 30. Acts 17, verse 30, the Apostle Paul is preaching to the Athenians. And he says to them, Therefore, having overlooked, overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all men everywhere should repent. And then notice the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 10, 4 says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That's not what took away sins. Sins were covered over, not removed by the blood of animals. And Hebrews 10.10 makes it quite clear. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10.10, by this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You are sanctified. You are made holy through Christ. And so Old Testament saints, like New Testament saints, have their sins forgiven, taken away, by the same method, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Salvation was and is and always will be by faith. And to finish up that truth statement, based on the blood of Jesus. Based on the blood of Jesus. Now, of course, New Testament saints looking back toward the cross have a much fuller picture of their object of faith. We know so much more than they did in the Old Testament. But both groups are saved by putting their faith in God's promise to save them. And it's based on the blood of Jesus. And that, folks, is the absolute truth. Would you pray with me? And as your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I'd like you still to listen. And I need to ask you, are you saved? Not by you trying to earn it, but have you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because only he can save. If you're listening and you don't know if you'd go to heaven when you die, or if you're sure you won't, why not right now pray something like this? Father God, I believe you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins. And that by the shedding of his blood, my sins are forgiven. I believe he rose from the grave and that he's conquered death. And I ask him to save me and be my savior. And I say thank you. Lord, as we continue to pray, we pray that you would help us to pick the right role models, people who lead us toward Christ's likeness. And Lord, we ask you to forgive us when we have been a poor role model to others and have led them astray. And ask that you would fill us with your spirit so that Christ-likeness might come out of us even during and especially during stressful and difficult and challenging times. And we pray all these things through that beautiful name, the only name by which we can be saved, the Lord Jesus. Amen.